Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here today with me. You joining me in church today, whether you know it or not, shows God that you make Him important to you today. Anytime we do something for God, we show Him He's important to us. And if you're listening to me on SoundCloud or another internet application, anywhere, wherever you are, all over the world, good morning or good day to you. May God richly bless you for seeking Him today. If this is your first time listening to me, hello, I'm Pastor Ed, and you're listening to me from McKinney, Texas, USA, and this is Gospel Saving Church and our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. All right, we always start off with a word of prayer, ask God to help us understand His Word, amongst other things. So if you guys would join me, please, I would appreciate it, and let's ask God for His blessings on this message in our hearts. Thank you, Lord God, for Your Word. Thank you so much for your love, and thank you so much for your wisdom, as, Lord, your wisdom is, is to be treasured more than, more than gold, more than jewelry, Lord. For wisdom truly is the most precious thing that we can have. Your word says that your people are destroyed from lack of wisdom or lack of knowledge, Lord God. So we know that wisdom and knowledge is, is so precious, Lord. And wisdom is important and knowledge is important, Lord, because it helps us not to get into trouble. It helps us not to get you know, to have, you know, to get ourselves into difficult situations. If we know better, then we know what not to do. And Lord, most most importantly, Lord, if we have the wisdom and knowledge of your word, then we have your words to eternal life and your words to how we should live. So Lord, we thank you for bringing us here today, Lord God, and we thank you, Lord, for this message and the, the word that you put on my heart for today. Thank you for your holy word, for it is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Lord, I ask you to help us to understand it, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that your word says that we only understand your word by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I I just pray that you would help us to comprehend what you're telling us today. And not only would we comprehend in our minds what you're telling us today, Lord God, but I also pray that we would make application to our lives with what we learn. That we just wouldn't be hearers of the word only, but we'd hear your word and we'd do whatever your word says that we should do. For, Lord, we know that your word is the final authority on all spiritual matters. We thank you and we love you and we praise you, dear God. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. So you guys can turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 4 through 12 today. If you'd like to now or you can wait till we go there when I'm ready when I start teaching, but I won't teach this section or, or speak on it at all until after my thoughts from last week's message, The Seeker, Theophilus. Last week, I gave you the overview of the book of Acts and a little bit about the Gospel of Luke, which were both written by the man of God named Luke, who wrote them for Theophilus, the seeker. And I told you that God longs for people to seek him, whether they're lost or whether they're being saved. The lost, so that they may come to start to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and the person who is being saved to have a deeper and stronger relationship with God Almighty. God is awesome, and His love is extravagant, and He loves when people seek Him. On this topic of seeking, as Theophilus was a seeker, Jesus Christ loves the lost to seek him so much that he even gave us parables to describe how much he loves it. One particular one that God 
laid on my heart as I was writing this overview, it, the New King James translators translated this uh, parable, or not translated the parable, but they gave the title of the parable of the pearl of great price. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 through 46, he says this of the seeker. Let's see if you can see it. I'll describe it after I'm done. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. So it's a kingdom of heaven parable. It's a parable that refers to things, ideas, spiritual ideas of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus just said that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. This is a picture of a, of a human being seeking truth, seeking precious knowledge, seeking you know, things that he may you know, find important in life. And yet, Jesus says here, when he had found one pearl of great price, and we know that to be Jesus Christ, because that's what Scripture tells us, that he is the most precious one of God, right? The most holy one of God. That he goes and sells everything just to buy it, just to buy it. Now, now can we buy Jesus? No, we can't buy Jesus. Well, Jesus is referencing here those that, this is exactly what he says, those who surrender all, those who come to me, right? Those who deny themselves, pick up their crosses and follow after me. Those who surrender all and make him their Lord, then he becomes their Lord. Who went and sold all that he had. He gave all of himself for this one pearl of great price, which is Jesus Christ. He was seeking. He found. When he found, he surrendered all and he bought or attained to Jesus Christ as his Lord. It's awesome. God loves when people seek him. And he even loves those who are being saved to seek him. Look at what King David, the greatest king of Israel, had to say about seeking God. And keep in mind that God called him a man after his very own heart. And he did so because he wrote psalms or or songs like this. Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2. David writes this. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. Thirst seeks you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He's seeking God. I need God Almighty. I can't live without Him. God, reveal yourself to me. Just like a, as a deer pants in the water brook, so my soul does for you, O God. And this is why God gave him the title, Man after his own heart. Not that David was a perfect man, but David sought the Lord. And the Lord then, if you seek the Lord, the Lord will make himself found to you. God desires all people to seek him. Scripture tells us that both Theophilus and King David were men who sought the Lord as a precious jewel. And we have to ask ourselves today, are we like them or are we meandering through life and not seeking anything but our own self-pleasure? All right, well, let's switch gears. Let's get into our new sermon for today, shall we? The title of our message is The Flashback. Now, because I have so many verses to teach today, 4 through 12, I'm not going to read them over first like I normally do. I'm going to read them as I go, and I'm going to teach them as I go. So let's start off, and let's read verse 4, and let's see what Luke, by inspiration of God, Holy Spirit, of course, let's see what Luke has to tell us here. 
verse 4, Luke says this, And being assembled together with them, he, which would be Jesus Christ, commended them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now, the disciples are gathered together, and they, here we see here, verse 4, are with Jesus Christ. Luke also mentions that Jesus Christ commands them not to depart from Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. Now, remembering that Acts and the Gospel of Luke were both written by Luke, and in the very end of Luke's Gospel, he records Christ's resurrection already. Listen to this, Luke 24, 51. Now, it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Here in verse 4 of Acts 1, where are Jesus and the disciples, and why is Jesus Christ back with the disciples again? Right? Luke 24, 50 tells us that right before Christ resurrected, he, Jesus Christ, led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. So they were in Jerusalem and led to Bethany, and Bethany is kind of considered eastern Jerusalem when he was resurrected in Luke 24. But how is it possible that the disciples are with Jesus Christ again, considering that he resurrected already? Did Jesus Christ come back to speak with them just one more time? Maybe, maybe he had some extra things to tell them. Maybe, you know, maybe Jesus Christ, well, just one more thing, guys. Well, no, that's, that's not what we find. We're going to get to the biggest chunk. We're going to read through verses 9 through 11 here in just a moment. But we see here in Acts 1, 9 through 11, that verses 4 through 8, and really even 9 through 11, are a flashback to an event that happened just before Christ resurrected. Look at Luke 9, or look at Luke, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. It says this, Now when he had spoken these things, all the things that he had to say to his disciples, in that 4 through 8, while they watched, the disciples, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, Behold, two men stood by, stood by them in white apparel, and we know these to be angels, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And we know the Bible says that in Christ's second coming, that all the eyes will see him. All, every eye on earth will know Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus says, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Hey, if somebody says to you, Hey, look here, I'm there. Or, Hey, come here and look, he's in this closet over here or whatever. He says, Don't believe them. For, for many false Christs will come. For when I come, I'm going to come. And he basically said, I'm going to come in the same way. I'm going to come on the clouds and every eye is going to see me and every ear is going to hear me. And so therefore, just as the lightning strikes from the east to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. So, here we see Christ's resurrection uh, in verses 9 through 11. And in verse 12 of Acts 1, here, this is why we're doing through 12, confirms that this is a flashback. Listen to this. Then we read, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And that lines up with what happened in the first recording of Christ's resurrection, Luke 24, 52. And they, the disciples, worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So again, that whole section shows us that verses 4 through 8 is just a flashback to a gathering that Christ had with his disciples in Luke 24, 44 through 39 is where you can read this other account in Luke before he was resurrected and an event that God led Luke to re-record. 
and that God led Luke to have a flashback too. So since God led Luke to re-record this gathering of Jesus' disciples and himself, this shows me that this subject matter is very important to God, right? God doesn't just waste his words, which means that any time he repeats himself in Scripture, he is making a very important point, same as a parent would to their child. If I have two kids, and, and I may say one thing to my son, and maybe a couple hours later I may re-repeat, I may not re-repeat, but I may repeat myself to my son and say, hey, by the way, blah, 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 and I, um, I may tell him that again. Well, why didn't I tell him that again? It's because I, I want him to get it so that that thing gets done, right? Whatever I wanted him to do or whatever I wanted him to learn, I want really am making that thing important and I want him to learn it, so I repeat myself, and I may re-repeat myself even several times on one issue because that's important to me. Well, God is the same way. When he repeats himself in Scripture, whatever he repeats himself on is super important. So what's so super important about this gathering together of Jesus with his disciples that God led Luke to flash back to and to re-record? Jesus tells his disciples in verse 4 of his flashback, right before he resurrects, then uh, and that they are to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, same as in Luke 24. What is the promise of the Father that Jesus is speaking of in these two sections? Look at verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he tells them, hey, wait in Jerusalem because you have this baptism coming up. They needed to wait in Jerusalem to be baptized. But not so they could be baptized by being dunked in water, as that's what we Christians know of today. Hey, we get baptized, and that means I'm going to go underwater and hold my nose, and better hold my nose so I don't get the water up my nose. But being dunked in water is what we do as a profession of faith. It, it's no, no such, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John baptized with water. Rather, the disciples, as I just said, needed to be baptized by God's Holy Spirit. Jesus tells them here, exactly what John the Baptist prophesied of in Luke 3, 15 and 16. He says this, Now as the people were uh, in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I, Jesus Christ, is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Why did the disciples need to be baptized? Jesus said here, hey, I, go, go back to Jerusalem, and, and I want you to wait for this baptism. But why did they have to be baptized by God's Holy Spirit? Was it so that they could get saved? Remember, Jesus said in John, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 5, unless one is born again, or, or born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And we know that being born again only comes by God's Holy Spirit. So are Jesus Christ and John the Baptist only talking about a baptism of the Holy Spirit so the disciples can get saved? No. But why? Well, first notice exactly what John the Baptist said in Luke 3.15. In speaking about what Christ is going to do when he came, he says this, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Notice that he mentions two different baptisms there. Baptism of the Holy Spirit and and fire. That's two different baptisms. Does scripture tell us that Jesus Christ baptized his disciples twice? Yes. 
the Holy Spirit's first baptism, shortly after Christ resurrected from the dead in his, newly heavenly, in his new heavenly body. So not his resurrection here where we're reading that he goes to heaven in verses 9 through 11, but his resurrection that he, okay, so when he died, he, he went to Abraham's bosom to set the captives free. And then after three days, he rose again, or he resurrected in a new spiritual body. Well, as he did so, he went amongst the disciples for 40 days and teaching them things. And one of the last times he comes to his disciples, they're in a locked room, they're scared. And he comes in amongst them and says, John 20, verses 21 and 22, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And he said, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. At this time in John 20, the 11, because remember, uh, Judas had already murdered himself. So the 11 disciples were the first people on earth to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be born again. This receiving of his Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of what Jesus Christ said in John 14, 15 through 18. He says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. So, hey, if you love me, follow me. If you love me, do the things that I say. And listen to this, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, listen, for he dwells with you, that was current text, that was, you know, present tense, and will be in you, that's, you know, future tense, right? So here we see that the Holy Spirit was leading them already, but the Holy Spirit was going to be in them. And then he goes on to say, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And here in our flashback, the disciples had already been born again in John 20, which means that they were to wait in Jerusalem for the second baptism of the Holy Spirit or the one by fire. We'll not study this today because it's, it's, it's in the book of Acts, but it, and it's not too far from here. But if you want to go to Acts 2, Verses 1 through 4, we'll read about this baptism that they waited for that they're going to receive. And again, we're going to study it a little bit later, maybe in a week or two. But we read this. Luke records this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. This is because, of course, they were being obedient to Jesus here in verse 4 and Acts 24 of their waiting in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. Because remember, he tells them, go wait in Jerusalem. Well, they're here in Acts 2 now, 1 through 4, and they're waiting in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. So verse 2, because they were obedient, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this was not, again, this was not a baptism of the Holy Spirit so that they could get saved. They were all filled here with God's Holy Spirit fire. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and this was the fire of the Holy Spirit. This was God's Holy Spirit power to allow them to do the work which God had called them to do. Remember, John had said that Jesus Christ would come and baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, both of these baptisms were by God's Holy Spirit. One was to make them born again, and the other was to fill them with God's power and abilities to work the works that he called them to do on earth for his kingdom. So in this flashback, verse 4, Jesus tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, 
Then in verse 5, he tells them that it will be a baptism of the Holy Spirit. He leaves off telling them it would be by fire. He doesn't add that in this section here because they had already been born again, remember. They're just waiting for this fire now. But we figured that out because Acts 2 told us. Pretty cool, I would say. But do the disciples understand what Jesus Christ is saying to them of the baptism of the Holy Spirit's fire? Look to verse 6. He says this, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So do they get it? Absolutely not. They think that God's going to come back with this fire and he's going to restore Israel as a nation and restore Israel and make them great again. They're thinking of God's Ezekiel 37 prophecy where God does say that the Christ will restore Israel for that is something that the Christ was supposed to do. But they didn't understand it was a different coming of Christ that God was speaking about in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37, 21 through 28. What they were thinking about was this. Then say to them, this is God speaking, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land. On the mountains of Israel, one king shall be over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, nor nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves anymore with idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. It gets a little bit more interesting. David, my servant, shall be king over them. What is he talking about? Well, this is not King David. King David at this time had been dead a long time, hundreds of years, if not a thousand years. David was dead at this time when Ezekiel made this prophecy. But what, what God's talking about is, is that we already know through prophecies in Isaiah that the, the King David was going to have a son. And that son, which was going to be the Messiah, which was Jesus Christ, come fast forward to Jesus Christ's time, will be this David, my servant, will be king over them. So David, or the Christ, because that's how God looked at things, right? The son of David was going to be the Christ. So David, my servant, or the Christ, shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. Jesus was called the great shepherd. They shall all walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. They shall, uh, then they shall dwell in, in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwelt, and they shall dwell there, they and their children, and the children's children forever. And my servant David, or the Christ now, shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and that shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. So God is going to restore Israel. God is going to make Israel great again. But it wasn't something that the Christ was going to do in his first coming. The part of the prophecy in the very beginning there before David ever got, before David ever came or before the Christ ever came where Israel would be gathered together again, that part was already fulfilled. That part was fulfilled in 1948. God did bring Israel back to their promised land. The rest though, it's coming. But it wasn't having to do anything with the promise of the Father. 
You know, it's kind of funny. Here we see the disciples. Jesus is talking to them about the promise of the Father. And Again, we have the wisdom and knowledge to know that the Bible is talking about the Holy Spirit's fire, work for the Lord and all that, and His, His power and all that. But they have no clue, right? But it's kind of funny. They thought that the promise of the Father meant that their work for God and Christ was almost over, you see. For if Israel is a great nation again, well then they don't have to be serving God in the way that they were with Jesus anymore. They would more now be ruling over the people and their really their hard work would be over. Then they'd really be more like, you know, like minor kings, minor minor lords of the land, right? Jesus quickly corrects their doctrine, though. Look at what he tells them in verse 8, our last verse of today. He says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So here, Jesus tells them, Hey guys, your work from me on earth is nowhere near over. Really, your work for me is just beginning You will be baptized by the Holy Spirit's power, and with this new power, your work just begins. With this power, you will first go into Jerusalem, then into all the rest of the world, and you'll proclaim me and my salvation to all the peoples of all the earth. But you know, we can't be too hard on the disciples, because really, all they had was Jesus telling them at that moment what they had to understand and know. We're kind of like that even today. God will speak something to us, and we might have a different idea of what that thing meant. We may, all right, that's awesome. Lord, you're saying this, that, and that means this. And then as time goes on, we find out, wait wait a minute, hold on. That thing that God told me here, that wasn't exactly as easy as I thought it was going to be. I can't tell you how many times that's happened with me. But we can't be too critical or hard on the disciples for not understanding what Jesus was telling them. They lived moment by moment. And they just took the things that Jesus Christ taught them as they went. They didn't have the big picture in front of them as we do here. We have the bigger picture. We have the whole Bible that we can read cover to cover in a matter of really, you can read the Bible in a whole year if you're really diligent. And we have have all the truths right here in front of us. So we have to be kind to the disciples and how we think of them think you know disciples come on you should have known that the promise of the holy spirit was more work not less but no they didn't know anyway the flashback this whole section of scripture that we studied today was nothing but a flashback of the same exact event in luke's gospel chapter 24 and as i told you earlier god repeated himself here in acts not because he likes to waste his words but because the topic of the flashback was super important the topic of the flashback was the promise of the father or the baptism of the holy spirit's fire to do the work that god called them to do for our close to this message i was thinking and as i was thinking about the close God laid it on my heart. I thought, you know, Lord, why did you repeat yourself? Was it just to tell him? I mean, I know it's important, but what's so important that you had to repeat yourself twice? Why would you make Luke flash back to this event with Christ and the disciples and speaking to them of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And then, of course, in explaining this baptism of the Holy Spirit, we had to discuss that there's a couple, two different baptisms because that's what Scripture speaks of. And I wanted you guys to understand which one it was. So as I was thinking about this, I, I feel like God spoke to me and said, the reason he repeated himself was because he wanted to stress the importance of having his, number one, having his Holy Spirit living within us or 
being born again because that is the first baptism of the Holy Spirit that God still gives people to this very day. And that was the importance for that before, you know, somebody is saved. And after, of course, salvation, the importance, as God brought it up here, the importance of a born-again person being baptized by God's Holy Spirit fire or power within them to serve Him. And if God thought these baptisms of His Holy Spirit were that important to flash back to them here in Acts 1, then so do I, and I want to say some important things about them to you guys, okay? So when I close, I must ask everyone who's listening, you have to judge yourself. You have to ask yourself. You have to look at yourself by Scripture. Think to yourself, ask yourself, have you been baptized by God's Holy Spirit to become born again? And if so, have you received the baptism of God's Holy Spirit's fire or power to do the work that he's called you to do. Because you cannot, Christian, if I'm speaking to Christians now, you cannot serve God or do the things God wants you to do unless you constantly are getting baptized by God's Holy Spirit and fire. I ask for that almost all the time. Lord, fill me with your power today so that I can do the work that you've called me to do. If we've not been baptized by God's Holy Spirit power as Christians, then we're serving God in our strength. And our strength, I can barely live my life every day, just the simple things that I have to do, my responsibilities with my own power. And really, even then, I can't do that either. I need God's help and His power and His strength to help me do even the things that I have to do for myself. So we'll get there. We'll get to what that means and what it's all about to be get this to get this baptism of the Holy Spirit's power, as as God talked about here, as He re-recorded or flashed back to in Luke. But the first we can't we can't negate. Everybody wants to jump to it. Oh, I need God's spirit. I need God's power. I need God. But are you really even saved to begin with? And the only reason I say that is because many in America, where we're flooded with the gospel. The gospel in America is like everywhere. Jesus loves me and died for my sins and and just believe this and pray this prayer and you're going to be saved. Yet I don't see that in scripture. Many people in America think they're saved and when they die, they're going to heaven. But when questioned about what being born again means, they think being born again means being a good person or having been baptized in water. Yet, even in Luke 3.16, John the Baptist said, "Indeed, And I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So nowhere in the scripture does it say that baptism in water saves anybody from hell. You must be baptized by God's Holy Spirit to be saved first and foremost of all. And then after you're saved, God wants you to have the baptism of fire so that you can serve him in the work that he's called you to. As far as the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be born again, John the Apostle writes, remember John 3, 5, unless one is born of water and spirit or becomes born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So 
Have you received the first baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the baptism unto salvation by God's Holy Spirit? And that happens by Him coming and living inside you when you become born again, not just being baptized in water. If you haven't, and you are not born again, and you haven't received this baptism, then you will not be going to heaven, just like Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 5. What does it mean to be born again? It's not a baptism of water, that's for sure, as John the Baptist told us. So what does it mean to be born again? I'm not going to tell you how to get there. We're going to talk about that at the end of the message. But what does it talk, what does it mean to become born again? What happens to somebody when they become born again. The Bible says that we become a new creature, a new creation, that the old is gone, the the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, Paul writes, if anyone is in Christ, that means he's in them and you're in him. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Becoming a new creation means that you're not the same old person that you used to be before you you got baptized by God's Holy Spirit to be saved. You're not that same person. You're a new type of person. And, and you will have... Uh, and you will have had a time in your life when Christ gave you this baptism or filled you with God's Holy Spirit. And it's not a feeling or it's not a burning sensation in your chest or anywhere in your body. It's a supernatural event. And once you've had this experience, you'll never be the same. I promise you. Even those who, because I don't believe that once people get saved, then they're good to go and they get to heaven forever. And I'm not going to talk about that subject today. But even those people that have become born again, but backslidden away and are headed to hell again, they're still really not the same person that they used to be. They're still even different. They're different in a godly way. They're changed from the inside out like me. They supernaturally become more like Jesus Christ and his character. Years ago, almost 18 years ago now, God met me in my living room floor. And I sought him. And he filled me with his Holy Spirit after I surrendered to him. And I, I became this new person. I didn't become a perfect person, mind you, in any way. I didn't like stop sinning, never sinned again. No, but I became changed. I stopped wanting to sin. I stopped wanting to do those evil things that I had done before. And I started now to love people. I started now, all I wanted to do was talk to people about Jesus. And I wanted to read God's word. And I wanted to have communication with the Lord. I didn't want to just do and be the same person that I was anymore. And it wasn't that I just didn't want to. It did. It wasn't that way for me anymore. I changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I changed and I became a different kind of person with a new kind of character, a character like God's character, a character full of love, a character full of compassion, a character full of making, you know, making others more important than myself. And that happened to me because God filled me with his Holy Spirit, and let me be a changed man, gave, made me a new creation, as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 
Are you a changed person because God has filled you with His Holy Spirit and made you saved and and sealed you by His Holy Spirit? Or are you just religious? Meaning, you know, you you do all these religious works every day and yeah, I've got to pray this prayer and I've got to do this good work and I've got to do this good deed. Or, or do you just say, oh, I, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. I'm, I'm good to go. I, I believe in Jesus. Or, or do you think that you're a good person because you've done a lot of good things? Or, or maybe you've been baptized because there's lots of people out there to think, well, I, I, just, I got baptized in water. And the Bible says that after I get baptized in water, I get saved. Are you born again? By God's Holy Spirit living within you that's made you a new creation, or aren't you? The Bible says that none of those works-based things will save anyone and let you go to heaven. Simply, if you haven't been, if you haven't been baptized by God's Holy Spirit to be born again, God coming and living inside of you and you becoming a new creation, then you're not going to go to heaven. Think on these things, please. They are internal. They are eternally important that you understand them. It's not just something I'm just talking about to waste my breath. God didn't waste his breath here. I'm not wasting my breath now. As far as the baptism of the Holy Spirit's fire or power to serve God with now, I'm talking to people that have been saved now. After you've been born again, I'm talking to real Christians now. I would like to ask all those who are born again that are listening to me today, have you had this baptism? Have you been filled with God's Holy Spirit power? Are you being filled with God's Holy Spirit power and His work and, 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 and the ability to do His work for His kingdom? And then that one, that one's pretty simple. That one doesn't take really much at all. And, and we'll get to how to get these things at the end here. But this one's pretty simple to know if you've had this baptism of power. If you have, then just like the disciples did after they were filled with the power and, and, and God's fire by His Holy Spirit, you will radically serve God with your life. You will be studying these, or we will be studying these events and effects of becoming baptized by God's Holy Spirit power and fire in the coming weeks, but just a few examples for today. Look at the disciples. I'm going forward. And I'm just giving snippets here. Right after the baptism of the Holy Spirit's fire, the disciples, A, number one, they speak in a new language. They're baptized by God's Holy Spirit, power and fire, and they, they, they speak with a new language. That They speak with tongues. Now, not everybody will have this new spiritual language, but this is one of those, hey, it's a test. Have I had God's fire, boom, His Holy Spirit fire put within me, well, you're going to have this power, or you could have this power to speak with new tongues, a new spiritual language that you may not even understand. Then, right after that, look at what happens. Peter gets open and bold, and he stands up and preaches one of the greatest sermons of all time. Peter became a preacher. Peter had never been a preacher before he was filled with God's Holy Spirit power, but he became a great preacher. Then, as the church is growing, Acts 2, 46 and 47, the disciples were daily with one accord in the temple. They were going to church all the time. They loved church and breaking bread from house to house. They were fellowshipping with one another. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So a result of them being 
filled with God's Holy Spirit and power was that they wanted to do the things of God. They wanted to get in to God's Word. They wanted to go to church. They wanted to have fellowship with other believers. And they were making it happen. And one more example, disciples were going from city to city preaching the gospel and they were doing miracles. And they did it at the cost, at, the tre- at a tremendous cost. Are you serving God today at a tremendous cost? And if you are, they, they had the cost of losing their lives uh, uh, and, and going to jail. We in America don't have that yet, but still we can serve God and have, at a tremendous cost. Are you serving God at a tremendous cost today? If you are, you've been filled with God's Holy Spirit power to do those works as the disciples did after they were filled with God's Holy Spirit and power, His, His, His power to do their work. And just overall, if you've been filled or are being filled with God's Holy Spirit and His power and His fire uh, for a real Christian means that you're going to have a radical life for Christ. You're going to be outspoken for Christ. You're going to be a witness for Him. And you're going to do crazy things that you believe that He's calling you to do. True Christians, have you been baptized by God's Holy Spirit fire? Have you? Ask yourself today. Number one, have you even been born again? Are you different? Are you changed? Are you new? Or do you love God? Do you love Christ? Do you love doing their things? Do you love going to church? Do you love fellowship? And do you love talking to other people about Jesus? Ask yourself these questions. You're in one of these camps most likely, ladies and gentlemen. You're, most people are in need of one of these two things. Many, there are people that are saved, but so many saved are walking and living in their own power. They're not walking in the fire of the Holy Spirit. So today, if you find yourself in one of these categories, either not being baptized by either baptism, you know, the one to get saved or the one to have God's Holy Spirit fire, there is good news for you. You can be on your way or even have one of these baptisms right now today, November 27, 2016. How? That's a big question, how? If you're not born again, here's how you do it. Here's how you become born again. And it may not happen today, but you'd be on the way unless you're almost right there right now. You set your heart, just like I talked about in my overview, to seek Jesus Christ for him to reveal himself to you. And then you ask him while you're seeking him to grant you the saving knowledge of himself and you ask him while you're seeking him if he may make you born again you ask him you plead with him lord i want to know who you are i want you to reveal yourself to me jesus christ are you real and lord please if you are i want to be this new creation i want to be born again please and you keep seeking And you keep asking and you don't stop until God does this for you. 
If you are born again and you seek Jesus Christ and you ask him to grant you the baptism of the Holy Spirit's fire and his power. And no matter which person you find yourself to be, you don't stop seeking and asking until he grants you your request that you ask. Jesus Christ is a man of his word and he's not a liar. And he said, Matthew 7, 8 through 9, these are his words, not mine. And he is a man of his words. He said, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Are you doing this? And if you're not, you need to start. You're not saved, you're not born again, and you can say to yourself, I'm not a new creation. I don't know. I want to be filled with God's love. I want to be, I want to be saved. I want to know God. I want to love God. I want, I want. Then you cry out to God and you ask Him to do that for you. And you seek Him as a precious jewel. For the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking, right? And when he had found one girl, one pearl of great price. He sold all that he had. He gave all of himself to have it. You seek the Lord and you ask and he will make these things happen for you. God thought this topic of the baptism of his Holy Spirit was so important that he made Luke re-record it. I would say that if God repeats himself, we ought to listen and not just listen with our ears but we should do something about it. Now, I know the Holy Spirit is working in your lives and in your minds and in your hearts right now as I'm speaking. Will you do something about what God said today or won't you? Jesus said, it's not the hearer that's blessed, it's the doer. Judge yourselves by the word of God ladies and gentlemen, and don't just be hearers of God's word and what he says to do, be doers of what he says to do. If you're a seeker, if you care about your eternal life, then seek the Lord and you ask and he will grant you the desires of your heart as long as they are the ones that he wants to give you and that's Holy Spirit filled, born again, Holy Spirit fire within you. We know those are God's will. And we know we can ask for those things and seek Him for those things and He will grant them. What will you do? God bless you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you so much, Lord God, for this flashback. Lord God, I, I didn't know, Lord, what all that had to do with all this, Lord, until I started really studying it over and writing it all down and thinking about it and praying about it, Lord God. But... I'm so thankful, Lord God, that you had me teach this sermon. I'm just so thankful. I just pray, Lord God, that this message will help people on their journey or wherever they're at, whether they're wanting to start a journey or whether they're on a journey and they're wanting to go to the next level, Lord. I just pray, Lord God, that you would help them by your Holy Spirit, lead them and guide them in all truth, Lord. For you are all truth, Lord God. You're not a liar and there's no lie and there's no deceit within you. You are all truth, God. And I just pray that you would help the people that are listening to this message attain to the place that you want them to be. 
either A, to come to be born again, to come to be saved and sealed by your spirit, to become that new creation, to become that saved person, that person that's in love with you, the person that just cares about the things of you, Lord. Or or if they're already there, I pray, dear God, that you would help them attain to the next level of, of having your fire, your power living within them to do the work that you called them to do. Please, dear God. And I, and I just pray all these things, Lord, wherever anybody's at, Lord God, I pray that they would start seeking you. And I pray that those that aren't saved, that they would get saved, Lord God. And that those that are saved, Lord God, if they're not filled with your fire, I pray that you would fill them with your fire, Lord God. We love you and we praise you, Lord God. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.